Okay, I'm assuming that Jody made the uh, chalkboard correct. It says 3 April, and I guess that's probably right. It's 3 April, it's Sunday. I'm Charlie Garrett, and this is the CG Prophecy Report. Woke Army, Woke Marines. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, we got uh, a visitor today, somebody that uh, lives in Bradenton, which is, I always say this, it never ceases to surprise me how most of the people come from north of Sarasota. Most of them are from Bradenton that attend here. But he walked in this morning and he uh, actually is just coming back from Texas. He is still an active member of the United States Coast Guard. And that's what my father was in for years back in the early 50s. And he is uh, going to be getting out of the Coast Guard, and he's going to be living in Bradenton. Is that right? Bradenton. So he grew up in St. Pete, and he's going to be living in Bradenton. So we welcome you. Hope you enjoy the service today, and it's a real honor. And we thank you for your service. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. So we also have some news from Israel, our first category that we always bring up from the Times of Israel. Giant missile detecting balloon begins operational use over northern Israel. This is something I mentioned, I think it's about eight months ago, maybe, that they had this. They were getting ready to deploy it. And in fact, they have now deployed it. It's like a, you know, a Goodyear blimp or something. It'll hang over the north of Israel. The military officially received a massive new balloon equipped with an advanced missile and aircraft detection system from the defense ministry. The radar-based system deployed in the north at an unspecified date is part of a general effort by the IAF to improve the county's air defenses, especially in the north, due to the proliferation of Iranian drones and cruise missiles in the region. The detection system, dubbed Elevated Sensor, or SkyDo, in Israel, is deployed at high altitudes in order to detect incoming long-range missiles, cruise missiles, and drones. Israel already maintains an array of radar systems to detect incoming threats, but the new aerostat is meant to complement and improve existing capabilities by placing the sensors at high altitude. So it's great what they're doing. They've got a little more to uh, provide their defense of things that are coming in against the nation. And then, of course, those work in accord with David Sling and Iron Dome and some of these other systems, and they all coordinate together to have a dome of protection over Israel. And surprisingly, that uh, is actually going to be mentioned in our last Song of Moses sermon today. I'll be talking about the Iron Dome system and how that fits into prophecy, as is relayed in the uh, Song of Moses. And it's just a speculation on my part how it weaves in together, but it's part of what we're doing today. So there you go. And then from Arachiva... 14,460 new cases of COVID. This is about eight days ago, right at the end of last week, diagnosed across Israel in a single day. Okay, in a single day with most cases reported among the, anybody? Vaccinated. Vaccinated, yes. And I have two friends that are in Israel right now struggling with coronavirus. Okay, so it's something that has not gone away despite being one of the most heavily vaccinated countries on the planet. According to Professor Yaakov Jaris, director of Ichilov Hospital's coronavirus ward, the majority of severe COVID cases reported had received at least three shots. He also claimed that the vaccine has no significance regarding severe illness. Now, this is a doctor there. I'm just reporting what he's saying. Right now, most of our severe cases are vaccinated. They had at least three injections between 70 and 80 percent of the serious cases are vaccinated. So the vaccine has no significance regarding severe illness, which is why just 20 to 25% of our patients are unvaccinated. From the, But you're not going to see that anywhere out in the uh, mainstream media. It just won't happen. From the Times of Israel, archaeologists claims to find oldest Hebrew text in Israel, including the name of God. Now, 
I've had this sent to me so many times over the past week that I almost didn't include it because I don't like repeating what other people say. But there are probably at least two people out there that haven't heard this, and so I decided to include it because it is that important. Okay, and I'm not going to read the whole article. If you want to hear the whole thing, there's a video online that the guy did, and you can also go to uh, the internet and just type it in, and you'll get all kinds of fully developed articles. But I'm just going to read you a synopsis of what they found. Archaeologist Dr. Scott Stripling and a team of international scholars held a press conference in Houston, Texas, unveiling what he claims is the earliest proto-alphabetic Hebrew text, including the name of God, yod heh vav heh Y-H-W-H, ever discovered in ancient Israel. If the late Bronze Age, circa 1200 BC date, is verified, this tiny two centimeter by two centimeter folded lead curse tablet may be one of the greatest archaeological discoveries ever. It would be the first attested to use of the name of God in the land of Israel and would set the clock back on proven Israelite literacy by several centuries, showing that the Israelites were literate when they entered the Holy Land and therefore could have written the Bible as some of the events it documents took place. According to the researchers, it reads, cursed, 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 cursed by the God Yehovah. You will die cursed, cursed. You will surely die cursed by Yehovah, cursed, cursed, cursed. You can see the chiastic structure of that right there. Galil said the structure is a parallel chiastic, which is found elsewhere in the Bible. The person who wrote this text had the ability to write every text in the Bible. This is important because, of course, liberal scholars for years have said, well, there's no proof that Moses wrote anything or that he could have written anything. This dates it all the way back almost to the time of Moses. And if they had this writing at that time, it didn't just pop into the air on the day that it was made. It was already in existence. So you can back it up even further just by knowing that languages don't just pop into existence all of a sudden. Okay, so it's a very, very important find. It's something that uh, we should be hoping will be confirmed. And of course, there's going to be naysayers that come and tear this thing apart like they always do. But in the end, my guess is it will be vindicated. And the great thing is it came from the area of Mount Abal, where the blessings and curses were pronounced by Israel. Okay, that's found in the book of Deuteronomy, which we've already gone through those sermons. And Deuteronomy specifically said to do this when they entered into the land. Okay, Joshua did that. That's recorded in the book of Joshua. So that immediately validates the book of Joshua and the book of Deuteronomy implicitly because of where it was located, what it says, and the entire structure of what is written with the Paleo-Hebrew alphabet. Great, great find. Okay, from the Times of Israel. Announcing permanent regional forum, Israel, Arab states, laud, alliance, and decry terror. The unprecedented gathering was widely seen as an attempt by Israel and its Arab allies, thank you, President Trump, to create a front against shared regional foe, Iran. Israeli officials told reporters on the scene that the talk centered around creating a regional security architecture. At a joint press conference of all six diplomats following the meetings, Foreign Minister Lapid told reporters that the so-called Negev summit would become a permanent forum. He said the CONFAB was building a new regional architecture based on progress, technology, religious tolerance, security, and intelligence cooperation. This new architecture, the shared capabilities we are building, intimidates and deters our common enemies. First and foremost, Iran and its proxies, he said. They certainly have something to fear. You've got all these nations that are aligning with Israel and against Iran. Whenever it happens, whenever Gog Magog happens, these countries are not going to actively support Israel. We know that because of what it says in Ezekiel 38. But they are also not going to actively come against Israel. And so this is a very important thing that Donald Trump established. It's very important in the sense that it is now being further developed. And so these nations are not at war with each other anymore. They are now working together. My guess is, and I could be wrong, but Saudi Arabia is probably close on the foothills of this. I don't know that, but it looks like things are leaning in that direction at this time. Okay. We got some news from Christianity here, and I'd like to congratulate Buddy Butler, the guy that came and played the music for us a while ago. He uh, completed the Genesis sermons, 
Sunday evening last. And so that's a real achievement. And he says, I am looking forward to Ruth and Exodus sermons. He had a bunch of flowery words about these sermons, etc., which I'm not going to read you, but he uh, is uh, really excited about getting right into Ruth. And the reason why is because what we did is because they're such long books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, we took one of the books of the prophets or one of the shorter books, uh, Ruth is a historical writing, and we put it between Genesis and Exodus. And that gave people a little bit of a break. And it also gave them some insights into the book of Ruth, which is a really great book. So there you go. He's going to do that. It's only probably eight sermons or so. And then he goes immediately into Exodus. So bandana's off to him. All right, from the Epic Times, Supreme Court won't hear case of Christian mission on refusal to hire someone who disagrees with its principles. This is too bad. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen with this in the future, but it's something I talked about several months ago, maybe a half a year ago or more, and the Supreme Court turned back hearing the argument. The Supreme Court refused to hear an appeal from a Christian mission that argued it cannot be forced to hire someone who disagrees with its beliefs. But two conservative justices left open the possibility of revisiting the case, which is really good, which is still in progress before a lower court. The case of Seattle's Union Gospel Mission versus Woods, Court File 21-144, Seattle's Union Gospel Mission is a nonprofit that exists to preach the Christian gospel. That's what it's there for. So you would think anybody that they hire would say, I'm here to preach the Christian gospel. Of course, there are people that will do anything to tear apart Christ and his people doing their job for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel. Hence, this guy. Its employees must share and live out the mission's beliefs by meeting the needs of the homeless and evangelizing to them. According to the group's petition filed with the court, a state trial court ruled for the mission, recognizing it as exempt from a state non-discrimination law. The Washington Supreme Court, of course, disagreed, determining that the exemption violated the state constitution. In 2016, respondent Matthew S. Woods, a former summer intern and mission volunteer, applied for a staff attorney position with its legal aid clinic with the stated intent of changing the mission's religious beliefs and without satisfying the prerequisites of regular church attendance, a pastor's recommendation, and an explanation of his relationship with Jesus, the petition states. Well, I'll stop right there and I'll say that uh, this is why you do not go 501c3. It's because of exactly this happening. But we've got churches all over the place which have had to cave their principles because of this in many, many different ways. Here's one right here. According to Alito's summary of the facts, Woods informed the clinic that he was bisexual and in a same-sex relationship. Well, unfortunately, the Bible doesn't allow that, and unfortunately, these people are 501c3, so they've got to go through all this nonsense. The clinic's director told Woods he was not able to apply and suggested he apply to a secular legal aid clinic. Unsatisfied, Woods applied for the mission position to protest its employment policy. Of course he did. They helped him out when he was young, and now he wants to, you know, it's like the snake that turns around and bites you. In his cover letter, he said the mission should change its religious practices. Yeah. Woods was denied the job and sued, claiming the mission violated state law, which forbids discrimination against sexual orientation in employment decisions. Alito wrote that the Washington Supreme Court's decision may warrant our review in the future, but threshold issues would make it difficult for us to review this case in this posture. The state court, the justice continued, did not address whether applying state employment law to require the mission to hire someone who is not a co-religionist would infringe the First Amendment. But Alito stressed the importance of government not undermining religion. If states could compel religious, which is exactly why they passed 501c3 in the first place, is to undermine religion. But churches just jumped all over. Ooh, we get tax exempt and we get all this kind of stuff. And next thing you know, here you go. Uh, what's that? Free. Yeah, free, free, more. If states could compel religious organizations to hire employees who fundamentally disagree with them, many religious nonprofits would be extinguished from participation in public life perhaps by those who disagree with their theological views most vigorously, the justice wrote. There you go. New York Post. New Yorkers flooded with unsolicited book pushing religious change. Okay, now I'm going to read this and I'm going to say how happy I am to read this article. 
It blesses my heart beyond measure. Somebody's going to look up this guy's ministry and they're going to say, well, he believes that the third toe on the beast of Revelation has a purple spot on it. And so he's a heretic. I, I'm not here to promote this guy's ministry. I'm here to say that he is doing something to get the word of Jesus out. So please, whatever his theology is, don't send it to me. I'm just highlighting his zeal for Jesus, okay? That's the purpose of this article. It's junk mail for Jesus. A California man took his proselytizing to New York, flooding mailboxes with unsolicited copies of his 85-page self-published book, the purple envelopes, which appeared in several Manhattan neighborhoods this month, contain Changed by Tom Cantor. Now, Cantor is what kind of a name? Anybody? Jewish. Jewish. And he's highlighting this by sending them to Jewish people, hoping that they will come to the Messiah. Okay? So, he's had a change in his life, and he wants people to know about it. So, this is why I'm reading this, is because I'm very proud of his stamps. Upper East Side resident Sarah Feinmark, who is Jewish, said the book made her feel both irritated and uncomfortable. You know, in this society, it's become bad to be irritated and uncomfortable, okay? When you get something delivered to your home, it feels like a line has been crossed. Do you know that for years and years and years, I got from the ACLU, of all places, asked, you know, these requests for money for taking care of them and building up their... And so what I would do, I and I never felt uncomfortable. I never felt irritated. Well, maybe irritated, but I would take their envelope that they said, please, you know, donate to us or whatever. And I would get every piece of garbage I could get in. I would fill it so full. It would be so thick. And I lick the thing and I'd have to pack it down. And then I'd stick it in the mailbox because they have to pay that that postage going back. And I always made sure there was nothing with my name on it, but now they know they're probably going to come and have me arrested. But listen, they sent the envelope without me asking for it. They're going to get what they, I didn't put anything perverse or profane in there, just a lot of old newspaper articles, anything that was heavy that I could get in there. And that's what they got for it. Okay. So they finally stopped sending these to me, thank goodness. But if they were coming today, I'd still be doing it to this day, shoving them full of every heavy thing I could think of and off to you, okay? Anyway, so who cares? If this lady doesn't like it, there's an easy thing next to you called the circular file. Just put it there, okay? Gramercy Park resident Suzanne Fenech Boscocello, I guess, got five copies and took them to her building's recycling room. Well, at least she's recycling, good. Okay, where she saw a stack of others Tom Canner says he considers himself a Jew who believes in Jesus Christ. Yay! And wrote the book when he was diagnosed with cancer over a decade ago. I think it was ridiculous, she said. The flyers were found in California, Texas, Colorado, and Florida. Cantor 71 told the Post he didn't care if recipients tossed the tome. There's going to be some that are going to embrace it, and they're going to say, I love this book. It speaks to my heart. He said, I'm out for those people. I want them to find what I found, he said. I found the cure for spiritual cancer. Cantor would not say how many copies he distributed or how he targets the recipients. He's mailed them to other cities in the last few years, including Detroit, St. Louis, and Portland. Cantor is the founder of Scantibodies Laboratory, a Santee, California biotech company. His bio on the company website says, when Tom was 19, he had a life-changing experience by discovering the great happiness and joy the Bible can bring. Because of that experience, he offers hope and security by reaching out to Jewish people. In 2009, Cantor won a $45 million award as a part of a federal whistleblower lawsuit filed in Brooklyn against Quest Diagnostics and a subsidiary over allegations that some of their tests were unreliable and inaccurate. So instead of taking that money and buying a big yacht and sailing off to the Bahamas or somewhere, He's taking his money and he's targeting people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus. And you know, for every 500 tracks that you hand out, and I know you hand them out every day because I have to fill it every weekend. I know that's not true as well. But for every 500 of those tracks that go out, I'll bet you one will have an effect. One. And yet it's worth it. It's worth it to hand out 500 tracks if it will bring one person to understand who Jesus Christ is. And this guy's doing his job. So, don't send me anything about, oh, he, I, that's fine. 
He's telling people about Jesus, and that makes me happy. Some news from the Mideast and Africa today. From Breitbart, Germany admits radical Islam, not mental issues, likely motivated mass stabbing by Syrian. Okay, every time they have a stabbing over there, I always say, read the very last paragraph, and when we do, what does it say every single time? Mental issues. They never say this could be radical Islam, despite it being a guy saying, Allah Akbar, <laughs> Allah Akbar, <laughs> never. They never will acknowledge that. But guess what? After the thing has died out and all the people have been buried and everybody's forgotten about it, then they find this out, right? Despite initially ruling out terrorism, of course they did, officials have now said that radical Islam, not mental health issues, was the likely motivation for a Syrian knife man's stabbing spree on a German train. There are serious indications that a migrant man who went on a knife rampage in Germany back in November, which I mentioned back then, was inspired by radical Islam, the local prosecutor's office has reportedly said. This is despite public officials initially ruling out the possibility of the attack being a terror event, claiming that there was no evidence for such a claim. He's got a knife. He's a Muslim. He's yelling, God is great in his Muslim entity. And so he's, uh, 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 and there's no, no possible connection to terror. None. Okay. According to a report by D. Welt, I know I didn't pronounce that right, but that's okay. I got a person that speaks German in here is probably laughing at me. However, the terror motive appears to be squarely back on the table with the migrant man now believed to hold hardline Islamic views by prosecutors, including the desire to live in a state ruled in accordance with Sharia law. Officials seem to have come to this view via the testimony of those who knew the man, as well as reports that he had in his possession radical Islamic propaganda. Okay, he had in his possession, they arrested him and they said this has nothing to do with terrorism. Okay? supposedly produced by the Islamic State calling for attacks to be perpetrated. And they can't figure it out. You know, we're sitting in Sarasota, Florida, and we figured it out. We didn't even need to get past the first line, the headline of the article. The Hill. Taliban rulers close schools to girls above sixth grade reneging on a promise. And guaranteed, we're going to be funding them still. We're going to keep, you know, the left's big thing, women, 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 until it comes to something else like trans rights or take away the women's rights or this. Oh, no, we can't interfere with that. It's always woman, 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 until it's not about the woman. You all should be offended. You ought to write your whoever. Okay, whoever you're supporting probably is already on your side, so I don't know what good it would be to write them, but... Okay, now something interesting from Mongolia. From NME. You know, your mom's not here, and it's awful quiet around here. She always makes it very lively. Nicholas Cage, I talked about this two years ago, and he's still heartbroken about it. Nicholas Cage still hasn't got money back from returning stolen dinosaur skull to Mongolia. He had this thing he bought legally, and it was found to be stolen, and so he sent it back to him, and they've never given him his money. Nicholas Cage has said he's still waiting for his money back after returning a stolen dinosaur skull he'd bought at an auction. The actor had purchased a Tyrannosaurus Bataar skull from a Beverly Hills gallery for $276,000 in 2007 without knowing it was stolen. It was a skull I bought in an auction, and I bought it legally. Here's the MacGuffin. When the Mongolian government said they needed it back, I gave it to them, but I never got my money back. Now, as much as I don't know much about the guy, I feel bad about that at least. I mean, I'm not a Hollywood person. I'll watch their movies, but I don't want to know about their background or, you know, it's usually loserville and I don't want to know that. So anyway, Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times. What's up with that? From the Jerusalem Post, Israel joins the Quantum Computing Club. Now, listen to how quickly they did this. This is what's astonishing to me. It is not yet the game-changing quantum computer that the world is racing toward, but Israel's Wiseman Institute of Science did join the elite club of those who have built smaller-sized quantum computers, one of only 30 such machines in the world, 30 in the whole world. In mid-February, 
The Defense Minister's Directorate of Research and Development and the Innovation Authority announced that they will invest around NIS $200 million towards building Israel's first quantum computer. A quantum computation capability will provide the technological infrastructure for an Israeli ecosystem that will be a leader in future developments in the security, economic, technological, engineering, and scientific arenas. How is it that Wiseman has succeeded at building such a computer only a month later when the government statement indicated their effort could take years? Part of the answer is that there are different kinds of quantum computers. Uh, the one that they chose is the one made out of bubble gum. So it was rather quick to do. You just chew it up. and No, I'm kidding, of course, that have different capacities. But before getting into those details, it's important to recall why quantum computing is viewed as having such massive upside potential. Quantum computing, once it is fully mature, is expected to revolutionize not only computing speed, but a variety of military, strategic, and detection issues, as well as having massive economic dimensions and forcing the entire internet to alter its basic encryption baseline. Experts in the field often say that today's supercomputers will look like the Stone Age in comparison to the quantum paradigm shift, which will replace them. Now, just yesterday, I was watching something on the Internet, on uh, YouTube, before Hidika was done cooking, and they were talking about our supercomputer. And I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but you'll get the idea. It was something like they can do 287 gajillion calculations in a single second and they said this is about three quarters the capacity of the one in japan which is the largest one in the world right now and they will be tinker toys compared to quantum computers when these are finally fully established that's what they're saying wiseman's five qubit bit quantum computer is a very big deal on its own and according to the leader of the project professor roe ozuri is a major step towards a 64-qubit quantum computer in the next one to two years. Such a 64-qubit quantum computer would already far outstretch the computation power of even the most advanced existing classical computers. Although building a working quantum computer is such a daunting venture that many believe it's only four tech giants and superpowers, something on a scale beyond Israel's reach, Osiris begs to differ. In fact, Osiri said one of the world's first computers, Wyzek, was built here in the 1950s when all Israel had was swamps and camels. Today, Israel's a technological empire. There's no reason we shouldn't be front runners in the quantum computing race. He said that the current five qubit quantum computer shows that there are several approaches and different technologies. It is not only size that matters, the fidelity. How well it performs quantum logic operations on your computer is crucial. Next, he said that the quantum computer they announced is a universal quantum computer. It can implement any quantum algorithm on that computer and will already be used now to calculate the behavior of certain solid-state systems for academic research. So they developed that from mid-February. In just about a month, they had that thing put together, and here we are talking about it. Amazing. It's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of. Let's see how that's developing. Epic times. Microplastics. You've probably heard about that. If you haven't, you've got plastic. Everything is plastic, okay? None of this is, but, eh, well, that's plastic, but I can't take it off or I'll turn off the internet. But um, you got plastic and it rubs and it rubs and it rubs and it keeps getting smaller and smaller, but it doesn't stop being... Plastic, that's right. And so it becomes microplastic and it gets into everything. Well, now they found it somewhere that's not good. Microplastics found in human blood for the first time ever. Researchers in Europe say they have discovered microplastics in human blood for the first time. Dick Vethok, I guess is how you pronounce it, an exotoxicologist, I guess, at, and I cannot pronounce it. This is one of those names with lots of J's in it. I'm not even going to try. Some university in Amsterdam in the Netherlands said that their study is the first indication that we have polymer particles in our blood. It's a breakthrough result. However, more studies are needed, but we have to extend the research and increase the sample sizes, the number of polymers assessed, and so on. 
scientists in the Netherlands obtained blood samples from 22 anonymous healthy adult donors, analyzing them for particles as small as 00002 of an inch. That's really small, by the way. 17 or 77.2%, of these people had microplastics in their blood, according to the study. Their research was published in the Environment International, testing for five types of plastic, polymethyl, methacrylate, polypropylene, polystyrene, polyethylene, and polythylene, I guess, and then something terra, I can't pronounce that, so a lot of different polys and stuff, okay? And the term microplastic, they added, refers to plastic particles for which no universally established definition exists, but in some scientific literature, it is often defined as plastic particles up to five millimeters in dimension. So it can be something you can actually hold in your hand, but this is way smaller with no defined lower size limit. They stipulated that the plastic particles that were analyzed in their study can be absorbed across membranes in the human body targeting particles that could be retained on a filter with pore size of 700 nanometers, meaning they are particles that are 700 nanometers or greater in dimension. It is certainly reasonable to be concerned. The particles are there and are transported throughout the body. Previous work has shown that microplastics were 10 times higher in the fecal matter of babies compared with adults. That's because they're always chewing on plastic stuff, okay? He said, adding that babies fed with plastic bottles are swallowing numerous microplastic particles each day. And now it's dissolving in the body, apparently, and it's getting into our blood and everything else. So, water bottles. Yeah, water bottles. Oh, absolutely. One thing I do not do, and you guys, we got plenty of uh, water back there. That's not something I do. I go to the tap. I was in water and wastewater for years. I'm a certified wastewater treatment operator and water treatment operator, and I can tell you that what comes out of your tap is very good for you. So, um, uh, I know it's got bleach, and it's got this, and it's got, listen, it's fine. It's not going to hurt you at all, all right? It's actually good for you. What's that? Ginseng. Ginseng will do it. Yeah, ginseng will help purify you. It'll clean you out. Absolutely. But I don't drink out of plastic bottles unless it's absolutely necessary. What's that? What is? Oh, yeah, we're more recyclable because of it. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Yeah, the um, plastic, especially if you keep your water jars in your car, that's really bad, folks, because the heat just causes it to degrade, and you're drinking lots of bad stuff. So uh, just stop drinking out plastic bottles. Anyway, do what you want. There's plenty back there for you. Okay. If you read labels, polyethylene is in all of the soaps. Oh, yeah, it's in everything. Absolutely. And I drink shampoo every day, so there you go. Oh, but your scalp absorbs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. So this is the whole thing. The whole point of this article is that we're killing ourselves. Okay, which means you're going to live to be 86 instead of 87. Whatever. Okay, from Breitbart. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got to give you the title. Morality is declining. Here's some news on that. From Breitbart. Photog blasts NBC for softening pictures of Leah Thomas for more feminine look. Did you see that? That, that guy that says he's a girl and he's swimming against all the girls? NBC decided to touch him up so that he looked more feminine. Breitbart. Yeah, Breitbart. Actor Lawrence Fox, and this is, he's obviously a comedian, okay, so get it. Actor Lawrence Fox comes out as transracial actress, and he asked to play Winnie Mandela. I love that. And you know what? My brother here says that I'm a black female, and you can't tell me I'm not because they're allowing everybody to be trans anything. So he identifies as a black female. And so I'm joining my brother, okay? Mom will be delighted with my new color and name, all right? From the Blaze, Public Library Association's National Conference teaches librarians about queering the library. How Dewey Decimal System is biased against historically marginalized groups. The Dewey Decimal System. Listen, I said on a Wednesday report not too long ago that trains were racist, and now we got the Dewey Decimal System is racist. I see my daughters in Sarasota again. I had no idea that she would be here today, so come up here in front of everybody. I want to embarrass you once again. She just walked in the door, late for church, of course, but 
come over here and let me give my daughter a big hug. I love you, Pumpkin Lou. Very nice to have you. How long are you going to be here? Two days or two weeks? That figures. I won't even get time to see her. Okay, yeah, because, you know, she does this. Sundays, I run out of here because I still have another six hours of work to do. I work from 3 until about 6 p.m. or later, okay? And then Mondays, it's sermon typing all day. I don't answer the phone. I don't want any emails, nothing. And she shows up on those days. Thanks a lot, baby. Okay. All right. From the National File, Texas Elementary School celebrates Pride Week, instructs students to keep it confidential. Despite some key legislative victories for concerned parents, LGBTQ-related curriculum and sometimes outright activism is still ubiquitous in America's public schools. Even in red Texas, students were forced to participate in Pride Week, complete with a pride parade through the halls of Austin's Doss Elementary School. The video of the parade was shared by the school's assistant principal. The video reportedly shows groups of students and teachers marching through the halls with LGBTQ-themed artwork. As is evident from the photographs, one of the rules of Pride Week is that what is discussed in schools stays confidential, which, here it is, violates Texas state law. I hope every one of these people goes to prison, every one of them, for abusing children. According to Texas Education Code, an attempt by any school district employee, which they're all on film doing this, to encourage or coerce a child to withhold information from the child's parents is grounds for discipline under Section 21104. I hope they all go to prison, the whole school. Send them all to prison. Federalist. I'm sure it won't happen, but and Biden will give them a, a, what do you call it, a pardon anyway, but it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah, I'll send them a medal. The Federalist. Nike and YMCA team up with OnlyFans Prostitute to teach kids explicit dancing. Nike and YMCA. There you go. One of the organizations sponsoring the sexualized dance instruction for children is in charge of child care for the local public school district. Nike and OnlyFans creator, the Burbank California YMCA, and an LGBT activist group teamed up to teach children a style of dance called Vogue, which is popular in LGBT circles and frequently features something. I, I'm not even going to say that. The Burbank, it would be like these women that grind or whatever they call it. I, I don't know. It's, there you go. Um, twerking. Thank you. Same type of thing with kids. All right. Uh, the Burbank Social Impact Center, a subdivision of the Burbank YMCA. Does anybody know what that means? Young Men's Christian. That's right. Young Men's Christian Alliance hosted an event with a performer and OnlyFans creator who goes by the name Honey Balenciaga. The event was called Intro to Vogue. It was sponsored by Nike and attendance by a number of children. Grooming. Grooming. Some other news from around the world. And be sure to check out the uh, Superior Word sermons. Don't just watch these reports, but actually get into the Word of God. I think it'll bless you, as it did with Buddy Butler. Okay, Mail Online. Woke Army introduces new, easier combat fitness test that swaps tough leg tucks for planks and lowers standards across the board to be more inclusive for women. This is across the board. We've got a retired colonel from the U.S. Army here, and he had to go through the same thing that the privates had to go through. Every, constantly, it wasn't just every year like the Air Force. What they would do in the Air Force is they'd say, okay, we've got our annual physical fitness training. And we're at Yokota Air Base and they'd take us out to Camp Sagamihara or something, I don't know. And they'd start you at the top of a hill and you had to run a mile and a half in a certain amount of time. You get down to the bottom of the hill, beating the time, of course. And at the end, they had a big table full of beer for you. Well, the Army didn't do that until recently. Now the Army is doing something different. Okay, the Army will trot out a new fitness test on April 1st. That's two days ago that eases standards in fitness. Planks will replace knee tucks after nearly half of all female army soldiers failed the test. Running times were extended. So what we do is we just take everything to the lowest common denominator. That is what the left does with everything. It doesn't matter if it's government. It doesn't matter if it's schooling for your children or your military that defends you from attacks. Lowest common denominator. That's what we're going to appeal to. Okay, running times were extended by a minute for men, 
when that means we can just walk down that hill to our table of beer, you know, in the Air Force. <laughs> Women must run two miles in less than 23 minutes. You could crawl that fast. You could do it on your hands and knees. The change in the fitness test comes after the Rand Corporation determined that the harder test was increasing a gender gap in the Army, which is exactly what you want. You want the qualified people to go out and defend you. Okay? Mail online. Woke war paint. Marines approve two-tone nail polish for troops and longer hair and push to positively impact diversity, equity, and inclusion. Longer hair. I'd like longer hair if it's on my beard, but... You know, I had this guy at 7-Eleven. We got a new... uh, I guess, you know, they buy these franchises and Peggy retired, so there's a new boss here for the past few months and he got a new store manager. Really nice guy. Anyway... He finally got up the nerve to ask me, how long have you been growing your beard? Because I think he wants to grow a beard. And I said, I know what you're getting at and don't ask. I said, every hair on your body, wherever it is, grows to a certain length and it stops. That's God has designed you this way, wherever your hair is. So I've had this beard now for many, many years and it's no longer than when I started growing it after about four months. It grew out and it stopped. And so I don't have to do anything with it. And all hair on your body, it is the exception. The Rapunzel's with really long hair, they are the exception. The Absalom's, they're the exception. Most people will get a certain length of hair on whatever part of their body, and it will stop, and it stays that way forever. So exceptions don't have hammer drills. What's that? Yes, the exceptions (laughs) do not have hammer drills. And what he's saying there is that if you have a beard... I will give you some advice, okay, if you don't know this. If you have a beard and you want to install a new handrail somewhere, okay, and you are drilling into the concrete with a hammer drill, do not get your beard next to the hammer drill. I did that about 15 years ago. You can go back, to, or maybe it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, because you go back to the early Genesis sermons and you'll see me with a nice beard. And then the next week, I have no beard on it at all. It tore it right off my face, one three hundredth of a second, and I went from having a long beard to having no beard. So keep your beards away from hammer drills. That's a very good, you know, that's your public service announcement for the day. Okay, let's see here. Um, Jerusalem Post, Russian losses in Ukraine exceed Soviet losses in Afghanistan. Think about that. They were there for years, and they finally bailed out years, and they've already lost that many in the Ukraine. This is from March 23, so that was quite a while ago. That's the last day I could get any accurate figures. I haven't been able to since then, but these numbers have gone up a lot since then. Russia has suffered more losses in the 26 days since the start of their full-scale invasion of Ukraine than the Soviet army did over the course of a decade, from 1979 to 1989 in Afghanistan. Data shared by the Ukrainian Defense Ministry is shown. The infographic released by the Defense Ministry shows that the official Soviet Army losses in Afghanistan amounted to 15,051 personnel, whereas the losses currently suffered by the Russian Army in Ukraine, like I said, this is a couple weeks ago, I've gotten no new information since then, amount to around 15,000 300 personnel. And you can add on at least one or two or maybe even 3,000 since then because it was a week ago. All right. So according to the general staff of the Ukrainian armed forces, Ukrainian presidential advisor, can't pronounce his name, said he expected the active phase of the Russian invasion to be over by the end of April as the Russian advance had already stalled in many areas. Speaking on local television, some guy said, or some commentator, I don't know, Arestovich. I don't know if that's a name or if it's a company. Anyway, they said Russia had already lost 40% of its attacking forces and also played down the prospect of Russia waging nuclear war. Reuters could not independently verify his statements. Advisor to the president's office, oh, it's a guy's name, Arestovich, said that according to the preliminary data, Ukrainian forces had shot down the 100th Russian plane over Mariupol, and two more enemy planes had been shot down over the, well, a really long name, some region, uh, I can't pronounce it. Anyway, 100 airplanes, and you figure, I don't know what an airplane in the military costs, but you're figuring a minimum of a million dollars. There's a hundred million dollars, and then they got thousands of tanks. What's that? Well, I'm just saying, if you, 
I know some of them are 30 million. 30 million. I understand. I'm just saying if you have like one of those little, um, you know, uh, Cessna things, the reconnaissance, they might be a million bucks. I'm starting at the low end. And some of them go up to 30 million. They've lost at least two fighters, which are 30, 50, 80 million dollar fighters. Okay, the Sukhoi, whatever. And they've also lost all kinds of helicopters. They've lost uh, tanks galore and all kinds of APCs. All right. So they have lost hundreds of millions of dollars, and they've lost over 15,000 people as of March 23rd. Unbelievable. Okay, Zero Hedge. People are 3D printing what appears to be fully functional RPG-like launchers. Right here in America, you want to print off an RPG? You can go online, download the specs, get your 3D printer printing, and you can have an RPG ready to go. Yep. In just a decade, 3D printer guns have come a long way from the single shot The Liberator pistol published online for the world to download in 2013 by Cody Wilson's Defense Distributed to a fully functional 3D printable semi-automatic pistol carbine entirely printed at home to what now appears to be a rocket launch like device. Deterrence Dispensed, an online group that promotes and distributes open source 3D printed firearm blueprints, has developed what appears to be a recoilless launcher. Han Rahan said it's a 66 millimeter core. How big is that? About this big, 66 millimeter? Okay, he's our artillery guy, so he would know. 66 millimeter recoilless launcher with shoulder rest attachments, allowing it to convert to a mortar on the go. So you can either do this or you put it here and you do that. So you got both options, okay? Han Rahan shows another video as the recoilless launcher is propped up on what appears to be a bipod serving as a mortar. He said... Deterrence Dispensed called the device the Kanzerfaust, C-A-N. They had one called the Kanzerfaust in World War I or World War II, and so they just changed it to C-A-N. And the reason why they did this is because they say, this only shoots cans. So it would be that big, the size of a can, okay? That's how they get away with this, is we're just shooting soda cans. What could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong there? They're claiming the recoilless launcher only launches drink cans. Last year, the online group of 3D printed firearms enthusiasts developed a fully functional 3D printable semi-automatic pistol caliber carbine for $350, including the printer's cost. YouTubers have taken 3D printed firearms to the shooting ranges to test their durability. Surprisingly, these unserialized weapons work pretty well. So now you got your rocket launcher as well. Hey, you know what? Listen, if you know what I'm thinking right now, you would be behind these people. You know what? I, I know what is coming in this world. I know what's coming. So I'm not against this at all. Not even that much. Well-armed well citizenry is a well-behaved citizen. That's right. That's absolutely right. Epic Times. Outrage after exact locations of Aussie gun owners shared by government. Oh, yeah, the whole... You own a gun over there? Everybody has been exposed. Out of 89,000 gun owners in Western Australia, thousands are now at risk after the state government released a map pointing to their whereabouts. Oops. Yeah, I'm telling you what. From GB News, Sadiq Khan, he's the mayor over there in London. He tells Londoners, listen, listen to the nanny state over there. Do not exercise outside, but still walk and cycle to work. So he's telling people, you can do this, but you can't do that. You talk about nanny state. This, this COVID thing has just turned people into authoritarian brutes and people that just want to be told what to do. There's no sense left in this world. Britain is expected to bask in sunshine with London seeing its fair share of warm weather. This was uh, later last week. But Brits were warned this would bring high pollution levels. So vulnerable people should look to limit physical exertion. You know, when I was in Tokyo, and this was back in the 80s, they would have really bad pollution in the summer. And what would they say? We don't want you using your small lawnmowers out there during this time. And so you say, okay, that makes sense. I'm not adding to the pollution. But to tell somebody they can't go outside to exercise? From GB News, Shakespeare should be scrapped from GSCE syllabus for being difficult, English teacher tells GB News. So we don't want to challenge our students, okay? We don't want any of that. We want our students to not be challenged. If you want that, 
you can go to the UK or just stay here because it's the same thing you're getting here. From the Epic Times, Cal State Universities drop SAT and ACT requirements. Don't challenge your students. Weasel zippers. PA bill would make it illegal for a boss to ask about your criminal background. Well, I've killed 17 people, but you can't ask me about that, right? I mean, it's insane. You can't ask, have you done anything wrong in your life? Do you have a record in Pennsylvania now? Mail online. Wisconsin County Supervisor wants Pledge of Allegiance and the word prayer removed from board meetings because they are divisive. Gateway Pundit. Joe Biden announces sanctions on Russian officials, then tells Europeans sanctions never deter in NATO speech on Russia. Mail online. I steal for a living. Homeless man 50 with almost 200 arrests for theft is released without bail after being collared again for stealing. He admits it. He tells, I'm doing this for a living. And they arrest him. And they, I wouldn't even bother arresting anybody anymore. Just go in, punch in, get your pay, go home, hang your gun up on the wall and go to sleep. Why, why even bother? Epic Times. New Florida law makes financial literacy class a requirement for high school graduation. Finally, some good news. Governor DeSantis signed into law a bill, and this will be challenged because it's racist, but he, <laughs> yes, he will. I guarantee it. Signed into law a bill that makes it a graduation requirement for high school students to complete a course on financial literacy. Okay, nobody's going to get it, but who said it? The evolutionists seem to know everything about the missing link, except the fact that it's missing. <laughs> Anybody? No. Gilbert Keith Chesterton. Okay, she was going to say it. We'll get here. You can take this and fly it around. I know, I'm kidding. Um, okay, so this guy died eons ago. And the reason why I like this so much, he, he, this was like a guy from the 1800s or something. But still, still, they have not found the missing link. I don't know if anybody remembers Ida Fossil. Ida Fossil came out and made the cover of Time and all these magazines, you know, this thing. And it's got this long tail that comes around. And they said, we have found the missing link. And then they found out that they didn't find the missing link. If they don't have a missing link, then that means that there is no missing link. There is no proof, not one bone of evidence on the planet Earth for evolution. Not one. Not one. And they still teach this in schools to our children. They won't allow any dissenting opinions. Yeah, it's a theory. Theory means unproven. Okay, we got a bit of irony here for you. Uh, the first one is... It's very ironic, but it's sad. Holocaust survivors flee from Ukraine to Germany for safety. Okay, and then from Tampa FP, this is typical of liberals. City of Miami spends $350,000 on new solar lights for a park that closes at dark. <laughs> Such is the world in which we live. And so from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG report for the week.